0: Welcome to episode 337 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is the CTO and Lead Edutainer at ITPro.tv. He has been working in the IT industry since 1997 and has been training others since 2001. He is a certified trainer with many vendors, including Microsoft, CompTIA, Google, and Cisco. His combination of real-world experience, textbook knowledge, and a questionable sense of humour have helped him to entertain and educate thousands of people. So it's my absolute pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Don Pezet.
1: Phil, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here.
0: Don, I'd, I'd like to start maybe with asking you a little bit about your your career and how you became involved or and founding itePro.tv.
1: Sure. You know, I, I got my start, like a lot of people did, working help desk, doing warranty repair, you know, just field work for general IT people and, and kind of worked my way up through the ranks. I became a network engineer, spent many years doing networking support for for large organizations across the U.S. And uh, one thing that I encountered during that whole time was it, it was difficult to learn new technologies because you had to get a hold of the technologies or just training wasn't able to keep up with the technology that was available and so a friend of mine tim broom and i we decided one day that we were going to try and create training that was what we wish we had when we got started and so we we looked at all the different training that we had done in the past and said what was good about it what was bad about it you know let's pick out the best parts and build something new and exciting and together we built it pro tv and for me, it was kind of a double project. Part of it was me creating training content, which was something I had done quite a bit. Uh, but the other part was building the IT infrastructure for a online streaming service, which was something that I, I hadn't done before. So it was a, a really impressive cloud product that, or project that I got to work on, uh, as well as just launching a new company. And so I, I took over as the CTO to basically shepherd that technology forward. And it's grown to where it is today.
0: Right, and and how long has the the business been running now?
1: Uh, so that's just about eight years. So we're we're coming up on eight years here in a few months.
0: Right. Okay. Now, just obviously going back to the start of your career and maybe what you know what opportunities were out there at that time. That must be quite different to what you're seeing now, and obviously the training that you're providing.
1: Oh, very much. Uh, you know, when when I got started, I, I actually went to went to college planning on going to law school. I wanted to be an attorney, and I I didn't have scholarships to pay for school. And my hobby was computers. I just I loved experimenting and and building computers, doing things like that. So I started building and selling computers to pay for my tuition. And it was my senior year in college when I decided that I didn't want to be an attorney anymore, that I really enjoyed IT, and that I wanted to continue down that route. And at the time, there weren't a lot of professional certifications that were available. CompTIA's a had just come out. Uh, Microsoft had their MCSE program that was still very young at the time. And that, that was really about it. There wasn't a whole lot else out there. Uh, so I I set out to get some of those certifications. I got my A-plus. Uh, this would have been back in 1999. And That's what led to me being able to get jobs as help desk or warranty repair. I actually did a lot of Packard Bell warranty repair back then. If you remember Packard Bell, those systems were terrible. So they always broke, which meant I stayed busy. Uh, But I became a field contractor where I got to travel and work on a lot of different technologies. And that's what really set up my career to get where I am today was the company I worked for required me to be certified in any technology I worked on. But they were sending me out to all sorts of companies, which meant I had to get certified on all sorts of technologies. So not only did I get to learn a lot of really great tech, I also got to see how all these different companies were implementing it. And so it gave me a really broad base of knowledge that I used to to basically kickstart the rest of my career.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. That that makes perfect sense. Um, in terms of the the sort of the the market that you focus on, is it people coming into the industry, or, or do you cater for People with experience and maybe you know learning new new skill sets.
1: You know, it's funny. It's a mixture of both. Uh, when we started IT Pro TV, our primary focus was on people getting into IT. You know, for me, IT has been a phenomenal career for me. Uh, it's a growth market. There's always new opportunities. If I want to move to a new city, there's always IT jobs available, and they're not going anywhere. Right. So it's been really really good for me, and. I want everyone else to have that same opportunity. If there's somebody who's working at a fast food restaurant or they're managing a dentist office or you know something like that and they decide they want to get into IT, they should be able to get into it. And so that was the the founding principle of IT Pro TV was how do we get just regular people to be able to jump in and and have a successful IT career? Well, after about a year we started getting people reaching out to us saying well hey don i bought one subscription but i'd like to train my whole it department and we said well wait a minute we weren't planning on training it departments we were targeting individual people but it turned out that it departments have the same need you have people working help desk who want to move up to system administrators or system admins who want to become security officers or jump into the CISO role eventually and and so everybody's looking to improve their skills and so we started kind of fleshing out our library to provide that, where we can get somebody into IT and then help them progress through their career. Yep,
0: great. Okay. And just to give people a flavor of, of what you do provide. So if somebody was in a position where they're considering coming into the industry, what sort of options do they have through um, your company? What, what sort of courses could they look at?
1: You know, it, it used to be enough to just say, I want to get into IT, but now there's all these specializations that you have. You know, you might want to be a developer, a database administrator, a system admin, a network engineer, a cybersecurity specialist, and they're all very different careers. So we always encourage people starting out to take a, a more generalized course. Like CompTIA has the CompTIA IT fundamentals. And if, yep. you, if you go through that course, you get to dabble a little bit in each of the fields I just mentioned. And it helps people to determine what do, they, what do they actually want to do? Because a database administrator is very different than a network engineer. They, they have maybe some foundational skills that are the same, but everything that builds on top of it is very different. So you don't want to waste time learning technologies that you're not going to apply and be able to instead focus on the ones that are going to lead to the career that you want. So that's what I always encourage people to start with something general, figure out what your specialization is going to be, and then move into that specialization.
0: Yes. Excellent. That's great advice. Definitely. Right. Okay. We're going to go into the main flow of the, the interview now. So Don, can you maybe share with us a career tip, one that the audience may not be aware of and
1: perhaps should be? You know, uh, As far as a career tip, the thing that's been the most valuable to me has been just continually learning. We have a, a saying that a, a good IT pro is always learning. and And that doesn't mean going and taking a class, right? So for me, technology is my hobby. So at the end of the day, I've been working on technology all day long. I go home and then I typically goof off with technology. You know, there's something new on the horizon that I want to learn. I, I read a lot about Kubernetes. All right, well, let's see what that's like to deploy and start kind of going through, dabbling in it. Maybe there's a technology that washes out. It's just not not useful. But at least I had the chance to experiment with it and learn. And I always tell people that they need to be doing that, too. Technology changes too fast. Your skills can get obsolete in three to five years if you're not careful. It's changing that rapidly. So you should be experimenting with things. Have you have you ever messed with the cloud? Well, create an AWS account. Get a free user tier account. It doesn't even cost you any money. You can experiment and practice and try. But even just reading the technology news, following the various news sites that are out there, that helps you to stay on top of what's coming down the line. And some of it is just trendy fads that'll be gone in a year or two but other things are technologies that are emerging that if you can get ahead of them you'll be better poised to to improve your career to move forward and, and have more opportunities one of the things that i do is i use a news aggregator called uh, called news Blur, where i bring in a bunch of rss feeds from probably 50 different technology sites and I'm constantly reading that anytime I'm on a break, if I, you know, I'm sitting down for lunch and I'll sit there and read through the articles and it's, it's fun. I get to learn about new things, but it's also adding on to my career and keeping me current and up to date. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I've, I've not come across that news blur. Is that something you can easily set up yourself?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say easily. It's built on, uh, if I recall correctly, it's built on the elk stack, which is, is a, you know, fairly complex or a last of search. And so it is a complex kind of setup if you want to host it yourself. It is open source. You could. uh, But I think I pay $40 a year or something to just have it hosted, and that's easier. Yes, fair enough.
0: Right. Okay. Don, can you share with us your worst career moment and what you learned from that experience?
1: Sure. So uh, I've been an IT trainer for a while. I've taught a lot, uh, hundreds, thousands of students over the years. And I love it when I get to hear from a student that, that I've taught previously. You know, They reach out to me, tell me how things are going. And uh, it's really interesting to see where their careers go. But every now and then I get a call from a student who's gotten themselves into a bit of trouble. And once I, I got a, a call from a student who said, hey, I was working on a server. The storage wasn't set up the way that you recommended. And so I was rebuilding, backed up the server Uh, And what had happened was it had five hard drives in it, but they weren't in a RAID array. Instead, they were just five independent disks. And so any one failing would cause them to lose data. So so he, he backed up all the drives, formatted the server, built out nice arrays, right? Two drives mirrored for the operating system, three drives in a RAID 5 array, a very standard deployment. And then he went to restore the backups and the restore wouldn't work. But he... He failed to test the backup to make sure it was valid before wiping the server. So I went out there and we sifted through like three months worth of backup tapes. This was on, on tape back then. And unfortunately, the backups have been set up incorrectly. They had been doing bad backups for years, as far as I could tell. They they never had a reliable backup solution in place. And so while the student was, was applying the knowledge they had learned properly, this was not a properly configured server. They wanted to make it more resilient. They just didn't test the backup. They didn't put all the different pieces together. There's a lot of different things that go together to to successfully do something like that. Uh, And unfortunately, this one was catastrophic. They lost data. Uh, And it's it's tough. I, I don't know if you've ever had like a hard drive fail or something. You get that sinking feeling in your stomach of, oh no, how much did I just lose? And backups are an easy thing for people to overlook. And in that case, they hadn't tested their backups.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah, anything like that. You know, I mean, you, you talk about these days, things like disaster recovery. Generally, um, it's important to test that sort of thing, isn't
1: it? It is. Now we get spoiled today because technology's come a long way. If you if you are like a as a consumer, you might have Google Drive or Microsoft OneDrive, and it's it's backing up your data constantly, so you're in great shape. You get hit by ransomware, who cares? Your stuff gets encrypted. Just log into Google Drive, roll it back a day, yeah. but. When you're an enterprise, when you've got database servers, when you've got commercial deployments, and you've got data privacy to worry about, you can't just throw that into Google Drive. You know, you have to have a reliable backup solution in place, and you've got to test it. You do.
0: Exactly. Right. Um, Don, can you share with us your career highlight?
1: Oh, I've had a few over the years. I've had uh, you know the, the rare opportunity where I actually got to build a network from scratch. You know, most people entering into IT don't get to build an environment from nothing. They, they take an environment that already exists and either maintain it or evolve it over time. It's slow change. But every now and then you get an opportunity to step in and build something from scratch. Uh, I had a chance to do that with a, a bank out on the West Coast where uh, they they had been cited for underinvesting in their network. And so it was required to basically revamp their entire network across 110 branches. Uh, and so we we got to do a massive deployment where it was basically designed exactly the way we wanted it to be. And I got to do that again with IT Pro TV when we built our infrastructure. That there was a chance to put in some policies. Like my my favorite policy is a simple one, which is there will be no servers in this building. Period. And so you know a simple rule that. In Florida, we have hurricanes, we have power outages, we have a lot of things that we could try and work against. We could put redundant generators in and and multiple power grids and all that craziness, or you just say, all right, well, all our servers will be in the cloud, and we'll make it redundant through cloud infrastructure. We'll take advantage of the technology that's out there. So anytime you get a chance to build something from scratch, it's a chance to really flex your muscle and use all the different things that you've learned over the years to put together a truly robust environment.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, very, very true. Yes. Okay. I think the next question is probably one I'm very interested to hear your answer on, actually. So, what is it that excites you about the future of careers in IT?
1: What excites me is maybe not as exciting as it should be, but the, the stability of it. IT is not going away. You know, if you are a diesel mechanic, you're probably looking at your career and saying, okay, well, there, there's going to be diesel trucks and, and lorries on, on the roads for maybe another 10 years, but things are moving electric. So they've got to relearn their skill. They've got to, to change or they're going to be out of a job. But in technology, well, you know, we have changed too, but it's not going away. Like we will pretty much always have system administrators. We'll always have network engineers that we, we need those things to function in order to be able to communicate. Sure. It might not be a copper network anymore. It might be a wireless network of some sort, but it's still a network and it still needs to be maintained. So that's one of the most exciting things for me. But also, now that we have cloud technologies have matured to a point, it lets even small companies take advantage of technologies that used to be reserved for large companies. You know, if if you were a five-person company, you didn't dream of having two data centers. You, you barely dreamed of having one data center. But to have one in the United States, and to have one in the UK, or or even further away, like Malaysia, so you can better serve people in Australia. That was not a realistic thing a small company could do. But with services like AWS, Microsoft Azure, Google Cloud, it's easy for anybody to do that. A single-person startup could deploy with multiple points of presence all around the globe with a matter of clicks for a couple of hundred dollars a month. Like That's real opportunity, and there's some really exciting things you can do with that
0: yeah indeed I mean just just thinking about um, the courses that you obviously provide are there always new technologies and new yeah you know, I suppose new stacks and so forth that you' are considering for inclusion within your your set of courses
1: absolutely. Yeah, we, we are constantly having to evaluate the field to determine if we've got the right training to help set people up to be successful. It's easy to look at what's out there right now and train people for what's out there right now, but within a couple of years, that can change. And I, I can give you a great example, which is um, like Cisco, that if you were getting into IT 10 years ago, having a Cisco certification for working with like Cisco routers and Cisco switches was, was a really important thing to have. But cisco has pushed to a lot of their cloud managed infrastructure now so you see meraki access points and things being used a lot more and we're shifting away from that traditional skill set of people being able to log into a switch and configure a vlan a lot of that's being moved away into virtual technologies so you have to evaluate all right are those certifications being updated to reflect that or are those certifications now anchored in the past and if they are what's the new solution and cisco might be the market leader today but it could be Palo Alto next year. It could be any number of other companies. We have to evaluate that on the software side. It's a lot more fickle. Things change a lot faster. Windows Server has already been passed by Linux. You know, if people aren't learning Linux, then they're they're doing themselves a disservice. So we we add that into our library and make sure that we provide that.
0: Right. Okay. And presumably, the same in the same way, you the courses that you have some become redundant and you drop them from your your available options, I presume.
1: You know, a funny story about that, uh, we used to do exactly what you described, is when we determined that a skill was no longer necessary, we would remove it from the library. And yeah. we started getting, uh, I don't want to say complaints, but but emails from customers that would, would say, hey, you removed this course from the library, I was watching that. And I would respond back, you know, I'll, I'll say like um, Windows Server 2008. And I would respond back and just say, well, Windows Server 2008 is not supported anymore. You should upgrade to 2012 or newer. And I don't think 2012 is supported anymore. Uh, And they would respond back and say, well, I work for the government and we pay for support. We still use that. So we need training on the old one. And it was interesting how some of these companies are willing to pay the commercial support to maintain these old outdated OSs. So... Instead, when we have something that's no longer really suitable, we move it into a special category that's labeled as our legacy category. And that way, people can still access the older training if they want, but it's not cluttering up the library. We don't want it to look like we have this massive, gigantic library that's just got a bunch of outdated stuff in there.
0: Right. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Good. Okay. We're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? Sure. Sure. So what first attracted you to a career in IT?
1: What was exciting for me with IT was just the experimentation, that you could try different things. I remember the day I decided to build my first computer. I I knew how the computer worked. I knew about CPUs and motherboards and memory, but actually going and picking the different components, ordering them, getting them, putting them together. and, And of course, it didn't work the first time I put it together. So like figuring that out, installing the operating system. And when I was done, knowing that I had kind of put all this together from the ground up, that was a real sense of accomplishment. I just did something new, something exciting. And I, I still feel that today. Like whenever I start to get a little bit bored with IT, all I have to do is look for something new that's out there. And I I, I went through that, um, oh, it was many, many years ago now, probably 20 years ago, where I was starting to get a little bored working with servers. And I said, all right, well, it's time to learn something new. How about databases? Let's learn about dirt- databases. And, and how we can configure transaction logs and indexes and all the various things that go into any kind of SQL database. That was a whole new area for me. And it kind of revitalized my career, gave me a fresh breath of something new to move into. And I, I continue to do that now. Like if I, if I ever feel that I start to get bored, I just say, all right, well, what's something new to learn? And there's always something new to learn. There is, absolutely.
0: And what is the best career advice you've ever received?
1: Ah, uh, the best advice that I ever received was, uh, oh, I, I know uh, to apply for jobs that I'm not qualified for. And I, I know that's a, a funny one, but when when I was in the job market, i I got discouraged because I would look at the the requirements for job postings and they would have all sorts of requirements in there that I didn't have. and so I just wouldn't apply. And it turns out that you know a lot of times you can ignore, sometimes as much as half of the requirements that are in a job posting and still get the job. Um, one funny story tied to that is I had I had gotten advice from my father. He, he works in the civil service in the U.S. And he said, uh, Don, you should get a job with the government. It, it the, the job never goes away. You get great benefits, very reliable. Get, get a job with the, ben- the, the government. And so I looked and I, I found an entry level IT career. Uh, with the, the VA hospital, they needed somebody who could manage their network, just like running cable through the ceiling and so on. And as you looked at the requirements, said, all right, well, you need to to be able to troubleshoot a computer, pull cables, terminate jacks. I knew how to do all that. And then it said, PhD required. <laughs> I said, I'm PhD to pull cables through the ceiling? So I didn't apply. But it turns out you didn't have to have a PhD. They just had to list that so they could get the pay scale set right for the position. And I, I didn't know the intricacies of how those positions worked, But it taught me a lesson, which is don't be discouraged if you don't meet all the requirements. Just apply. See how it goes.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. Definitely. And what is the worst career advice you've ever received?
1: Uh, the worst career advice, I think, I I remember after the dot-com bubble burst. Uh, so this was around 2000 and uh, all the network gear was being sold off on ebay for cheap and and companies were closing left and right uh is i i got the we'll call it advice or suggestion uh that i should get out of it that it's not stable that it's not something that's going to be around well you know here we are 20 years later and obviously it's, it's where the highest paid careers are right now in the industry so you know it, you should you should stick with what you love. If you enjoy something like I enjoy IT, then you should stay with it. And don't don't believe it when people say you can't be successful or that you you know if you're not a developer you can't be successful. Like those things are just not true.
0: If you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do?
1: Well, it, I guess it depends on what my goal would be. So if if I was starting in IT today. And I wanted a, a career that I knew was going to be rock solid, that would have tons of, of potential to move up the ladder. I would definitely focus on cybersecurity. Companies have woken up to that as being really important. It's always been important, but they're just now realizing how important it is. And there's so many careers available in the cybersecurity industry. And and there's in-person careers and remote. Like most cybersecurity professionals have been working remote for years already. Uh and, and the needs span across the countries. It's it's not like a, a US or an EU thing. It's all over the world. Everybody needs cybersecurity professionals. So phenomenal career field to get into and a fun one. You know, you get to experiment with a lot of really neat tools in there. The other careers like network engineers, system admins, database admins, developers, those are all pretty much the same as they've been for quite some time. But cybersecurity, that's the the shiny, fancy, fun one right now. And, and that's probably where I'd end up if I started today. Good.
0: OK. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on?
1: Oh, well, that's a tough one. You know, I I, I co-founded a company and grew it to, to service over 100,000 people a year. And we were acquired by ACI Learning in October of 2020. And so I took over as CTO of ACI Learning, which now we've grown to handle even more people all over the entire world. So I've I've kind of reached the, the pinnacle of, of where my career can go at this point. So I'm working to Continue my my original vision of making the training product I wish I had when I got started. I have a lot more resources at my disposal than I ever did before, and a lot more people all working towards that same dream. So, uh, so I kind of achieved where I'm I'm going to achieve, and I'll continue to grow ACI Learning as much as I can. Continue to film content for IT Pro TV because I I enjoy creating that content and getting it out there for people, uh, and then eventually, hopefully, retiring early.
0: Right. And what's the number one non technical skill that has helped you in your career so far?
1: Um, You know, it would kind of be a tie for me. Um, First is reading. Uh, I read a lot. I I mentioned earlier, I I read news articles frequently, uh, but I also read books. I I read generally two books a week. So I'm, I'm a fairly aggressive reader. Uh, and that, that reading has really been a significant benefit to me in my career over the years. Just being able to stay on top of everything being able to read quickly is, is useful. But the other thing is communication, just being able to talk to people and, and put things in words that they understand, you know, if you want to move into it leadership, your your most valuable skill is almost like being a translator that you have to take technical jargon and turn it into something the rest of your leadership team can understand if i go to a ceo i don't want to have to tell them that hey we had an outage because uh an as was publishing a bad bgp route and the metric came through and sent our traffic to a black hole well that doesn't mean anything to them we have to translate that we have to say Well, another internet provider screwed up and pushed a bad route. So our traffic got lost. It's all fixed now. We can move forward. Here's how we're going to prevent that in the future. So being able to communicate to people in the way that they'll understand is an incredibly valuable asset. And there's a lot of IT professionals who are just not good communicators. And that's not the end of the world, but it's really going to limit you from being able to move into management.
0: That's true. Yes. And what do you do to keep your own career energized?
1: Well, for me, it's always learning something new. Just finding something new to experiment, to try. Maybe it's some different yeah. type of hardware, different type of software. If you can't find something new, like you you just aren't aware of anything on the horizon, talk to other people. You'd be surprised what you find. And uh, it, it's hard now with the pandemic situation the way that it is. But what I used to do was go to conferences. And when I would go to conferences... The the talks were always nice, but I would spend more time on the expo floor, just kind of talking to vendors and seeing what new products were out there and talking to other people that were just walking down the aisle and seeing what they were doing. Because you'd you'd learn something new every time, either some new way to use technology you were already familiar with or learn about a new technology you hadn't even heard of. And and here's your chance to learn and experiment with it. And so for me, that's what's really kept me going over the years and, and kept me current. I've got some some stalwart technologies like linux i've been working with linux since 1991 so you'd think after all of this time that that would get kind of boring and i'd want to move on to something else but but the the linux distros change the technologies that power those distros change the way we use them in the cloud changes so it's all just finding a new way to use things and it keeps it exciting and keeps it new
0: good okay and what do you do in your spare time away from technology
1: well, I, I could cheat and say that uh, you know, in when I'm not working in technology, I'm experimenting and having fun with it. So I, I do a lot of that. Uh, but I also read. I, I mentioned that earlier that reading for me is uh, uh, one a hobby. Like I, I read a lot of sci-fi. Uh, any pretty much anything by like Isaac Asimov, I've read, or any of the big sci-fi writers. Uh, but also just trying to stay on top of culture, the news, and what's going on in the world around you, because you can kind of lose sight of that when you work too much in technology.
0: Good. Okay. Um, Don, can you share with us a parting piece of career advice?
1: So never settle for a career. Some people will get an IT career and it'll be good enough. They, they make enough money, but you know maybe it's a high stress environment or they're working with legacy technologies. You shouldn't have to settle for that. There's so many opportunities that are out there that you can find something that keeps you engaged, keeps you excited, lets you work with new technologies, and provides you ability to climb up the ladder and evolve your career over time. There's very few people who want to just lock in at one position and stay there their whole life. You need a position that supports you, that grows your knowledge, and makes you better at what you do. So if you find that you're in a career that's not allowing you to do that, that's not allowing you to increase your skills or move into the position that you want, don't, don't be shy to get out there. Take a risk. Look for new organizations. Look for new opportunities that are out there. You'll be happier. You'll be healthier. You'd know, you be surprised how much stress we get when we're working in, in careers that aren't helping us become better people when we could just go somewhere else that does, and it really makes a big change.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Don, how can we find out more about you and connect with you?
1: Sure. So the, the most common place you can find me is on the TV website. You can go to ITPro.TV. Uh, I also do a weekly podcast called TechNado. It comes out every Thursday. You can find that on YouTube or on all of the various podcast services. And like I mentioned, TV is part of ACI Learning. So you can go to ACILearning.com because the video streaming piece is what IT Pro TV is all about, but we have classroom training and other resources available all through ACIlearning.com.
0: Great. Don, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been great chatting with you.
1: It's been wonderful being on, and I appreciate you having me.
0: Hi, Phil here again. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with today's guest. You can find full show notes on the website at slash e and the number of the episode you've been listening to. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, please make sure that you do so that you get episodes automatically downloaded to your device every Monday. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.